Hello, this is Magdalena Afshalaki, your guest host on the podcast. And today we are mapping Hashimoto's with Andrew Nakayama in the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on how to use the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist, and for today's podcast, I'm sitting in the guest seat. Taking over as our host is Magdalena Jalaki, certified holistic health coach, certified herbalist, and author of Cooking for Hormone Balance. Hey, Andrea, thanks for kind of changing the recipe and moving things around a little bit. It's kind of cool. And so this time around is, you know, you're having me to interview you on a 15-minute matrix. Thank you, Magdalena. Who better to talk Hashimoto's with than a fellow Hashi sister, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's your story. That's my story. In your ebook, Roadmap to Resolution, you introduce the three roots of chronic illness, which is genetics, inflammation, and digestion, and their branches. Can we talk about this and how does all of this apply to Hashimoto's? Yeah, thanks, Magdalena. It's a really good question, and it applies perfectly to Hashimoto's. As we know, Hashimoto's is autoimmune hypothyroidism, and the immune system is attacking the tissues in the thyroid glands for reasons that need to be unearthed for each and every individual. And there's that bio-individuality there that we need to consider when we're working with clients and patients. But here's why the three roots, many branches approach is perfect. Many of us are familiar with the three-legged stool approach that Dr. Alessio Fasano looked at, and this is the genetic predisposition, the gut hyperpermeability, and the triggering event, which is often thought to be an infection. And the three roots sort of flips that or like takes that stool and pushes it down into the ground so we could look at what are the three different roots that give us a lens into what to do once those legs are in place. So we can look through this three roots lens for each and every chronic condition, particularly any autoimmune condition like Hashimoto's. And it helps us to recognize that everything's connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. It kind of gives us a mental model or an operating system that helps us to determine where to go next, especially when there's so much going on, as can be the case with Hashimoto's, and we don't necessarily know where to start, as can often be the case when we're working with these multifactorial cases. Let's start off maybe with the one that is probably the most, I think, misunderstood and scary, and it feels like there is a destiny that's already carved out for you that you can't do much about, and that's genes. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about it, especially for our audience, coaches and clinicians? What would you say we should be focusing on and, and looking at when it comes to genetics and the development of Hashimoto's and Hashimoto's patients? Yeah, and you said it so well, Magdalena. There's a lot of confusion about what to do with genes, whether we need to look at genetic testing, what that testing tells us, what's predetermined. And in the Roadmap to Resolution, I'm really looking at the fact that there are three areas of science that are telling us what to do. And when we get too 
bogged down in evidence or markers or testing, we're actually overriding some of the clear evidence that science is telling us. And the area we need to think about with the genes is the epigenetics more than the genetics. We know now that all the things that bathe our genes influence whether they are destined to be turned on or off. And so I've identified those loosely as the food, movement, environment, and mindset. And of course, we can break that down into many, many different areas. But there's so much that we can do to spend time there as coaches, as clinicians, that often gets overlooked in favor of going for that one root cause or the one thing that's going to tell us what to do. So we have to recognize again, that lunch matters, sleep matters, stress and resilience matter. And oftentimes, I don't know about you, Magdalena, but I see people know this, but we often rush through it. So if I can, I'm just going to spend a little bit of time there looking at those four factors and how they influence our genes. So food alone, you and I, I'm sure, see this. The diet alone has to be considered in terms of how it impacts our genes. We have to look at quality. We have to look at quantity. We have to look at timing. And we have to look at diversity. And oftentimes people come in, our clients or patients come in, and either their diet isn't restrictive enough, meaning they're having difficulties making the right choices, or it's too restricted and it's causing nutrient deficiencies and other issues that are impacting the expression of our genes because we're nutrient deficient. There's malabsorption, there's malnutrition happening mm-hmm. because the diet is too restrictive. So we need to think about what's the most ample, most diverse diet that that person can be eating at that time in their journey in order to support the positive expression of their genes. And what I'm hearing you say is that if my mother had Hashimoto's and I have Hashimoto's, and even though genetically there could be something going on, that really shouldn't be what we should be putting our attention to and be crying over this and dissecting that and saying, well, it's a genetic thing, mom had it, and therefore I'm going to have it. But rather be looking at whether those genes can be turned off. Am I right to say that? That's very true. We need to honor the story. So the fact that mom had it is a good indication that there is genetic predisposition. We don't want to overlook the genetic predisposition, but we want to accept the genetic predisposition. If we're crying over it, we're not accepting it. If this is our lot in life, if this is where we come from, and this is who we are, how do we own that? and take the next steps forward. I like to think about the story, the left side of the functional nutrition matrix, the ATMs as the antecedents, which we need to accept, the triggers, which we need to acknowledge, and the mediators, which are really our position of power as patients, as the place we act. And the more we understand that about each and every individual we're working with, the better equipped we are to help that person Instead of saying, oh, here are the genes alone, I'm going to just address that genetic predisposition. It's only one piece of the puzzle. 
Gotcha. And so I cut you off when you were saying that the other element is movement. The other elements are movement, environment, and mindset. And of course, we could spend time there, but I do spend time talking to Laura Adler about all the environmental pieces that we need to be thinking about, not just environmental toxins, but the things in our life that can be toxic, that are in our everyday. They can be relationships. They can be anything. They can be bad thoughts, right? So we Mm -hmm. have to really think think about how movement is appropriate for the individual in that moment. I always like to say we need to look at the heel versus the ideal. And that's a changing paradigm. And we're the best clinicians when we can meet the person where they are in that moment, help them to define what is going to support them and move forward and know that it can change. Just because we can't eat a food now doesn't mean we can't eat it later. Just because CrossFit isn't right right now doesn't mean we can't get back to it. We have to look at where are we in the process and in the healing journey. Well, one of the big things that I remember learning through your program was the fact that the foods that we can eat, for example, today, that's something that you might not be able to tolerate further down the road. But more promising was the fact a lot of foods that we cannot eat, especially as Hashimoto's patients, like, for example, dairy, for a lot of people, this is a big deal to remove dairy because it really is such comfort food. And interestingly, for some people, it's possible to bring that back into their diet, maybe on the side lane as a snack, as a treat food rather than a main staple food. But nevertheless, it is possible. And so, you know, you go to France, you go to Italy, you have like this amazing piece of cheese rather than be, you know, putting craft cheese on your sandwich kind of a thing, right? But it's possible. And I found that always to be very enlightening, which is like, I definitely see that in myself now. I can tolerate dairy a lot better than, uh, than in the past. Yes. So shall we switch gears to the second part of Hashimoto's, which is such a big deal, digestion? Yeah, absolutely. So we want to be thinking through this three roots approach so that we're not leaving any stone unturned. Again, we need kind of a mental model, an operating system that allows us to think about everything. So with the genes, we want to think about the epigenome. With digestion, we want to think about the microbiome, right? And oftentimes we rush to get there, but there's a lot of other factors we need to think about with the Hashimoto's patient and digestive issues. So if we think about the thyroid in general, a deficiency in thyroid hormone production due to an attack on the tissue in the thyroid gland, as we're seeing with autoimmune thyroiditis, we have to remember that what's happening is that the thyroid hormone expression is being suppressed. And the thyroid hormones support metabolism throughout the body, particularly in the intestines. So with the Hashimoto's patient, we're likely to see diarrhea or constipation or some combination of the two. We're likely to see challenges in dysmotility of secretions like hydrochloric acid. We're also likely to see liver challenges. There's that increase in liver enzymes that happens often due to the body being in a more hypoxic state. So there's a lot happening to the digestive system in the state of hypothyroidism, and then it's amplified and 
when we're seeing an autoimmune hypothyroidism. All of those symptoms are still there, but the roots of the hypothyroidism are different. It's not just the thyroid hormones, it's the immune system. So then we have to go that next level in the digestive system to think about where might there be infections? Are there parasites, pathogenic yeast overgrowth, Epstein-Barr virus, H. pylori? These are all very common for the patient with Hashimoto's, also SIBO. So we have to think about what is it that we have to do to support the whole system? And of course, we see leaky gut. It's one of those legs on the three-legged stool. So leaky gut is going to impact the immune system's ability to regulate itself. It puts the body in that perpetual attack mode. And it also is going to increase the attack on that thyroid gland because the immune system is confused. It's an overdrive. So in Thinking about digestion, we don't only want to think about the microbial and the infections. We want to think about the function of the digestive system and shoring it up for that patient. That means we want to think about the mechanical chewing and is the body doing what it needs to do in terms of motility. The chemical, is there a hydrochloric acid deficiency that needs to be addressed? Are there enzyme deficiencies? We want to think about the structural, and that leads us to think about leaky gut, gut hyperpermeability, also small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Is there anything we need to be looking at there in addition to the microbial, which is going to help us to address the infections that we're talking about and the whole terrain in which those pathogenic bacteria or fungi exist? So we have to take a very holistic, very functional approach to digestion as opposed to just looking at the one thing that seems lately, like the genetic testing, the right. sexy thing to look at, right? Right. Yeah. Or just one lab report that shows only a section of your digestive health. So many times people come back and say, well, you know, I've got, I've got all my GI testing done and everything looks great. Great, exactly. <laughs> and their Hashimoto's antibodies are super high. So let me ask you this. Have you ever seen anybody who's got Hashimoto's and, and a healthy digestive system? So I will say that I have Hashimoto's and I've never had digestive symptoms. But that huh. doesn't mean I don't have digestive dysfunction, right? So I'm acknowledging that even though I've never had the typical symptoms, that there's still leaky gut, there's still infections, there's still things that I need to tend to, to support my digestion and that structural integrity. And I can't ignore that just because it doesn't show up as a symptom. And that's what the three roots tells me, pay attention. So interesting. And Another thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, you were talking about chewing. Well, how many times would you chew before you swallow? <laughs> it's such a good <laughs> question. Um, I'm sure you know this story, Magdalena. When my husband, Isamu, was sick and going through cancer treatment, he really would work on like trying to chew a hundred times. I think it really depends on what we're chewing. It depends on our secretions in our mouth and what we have available to us. He, of course, at that time was compromised because of the treatment he was going through. So any extra help mechanically is supportive. But we just have to make sure 
that we are able to digest and absorb our food appropriately. And this goes back to our earlier conversation about food, where it's not just about the food, good or bad. It's about what our body can do with the food. And chewing is the first thing that we can help ourselves do and tell our patients and clients to do. But I'm not attached to any one number of chews before swallowing. Okay. So let's talk about the third root cause of Hashimoto's, and that's going to be inflammation. That's a huge one about clearing it, calming it, enhancing it, modulating. Can you talk about it, how it impacts Hashimoto's patients? Yeah, and I think, again, seems to be the theme of our conversation, Magdalena, is that we kind of run away to what I call tier three issues, dismantling the dysfunction. When we think about genes, where's the wrong gene and how do I address it and with which supplement? When we think about digestion, we just want to go for the microbial imbalance, the gut infection. And furthermore, with inflammation, we often just want to think about the the infection or the problem that needs to be removed. And in fact, the entire system needs to go through those four elements that you uh, identified there, the clearing, the calming, the enhancing, and the modulating. And the more we understand how the body should function, the full body systems of how the body should function, the more we can help with that clearing, calming, enhancing, and modulating. So do we need to clear infections and parasites? Absolutely. But we also need to clear gluten out of the diet that's contributing to the gut hyperpermeability. We also need to clear our lives of the things that are toxic and not supporting us. We need to calm our nervous system. Our entire immune system is on overdrive and we need to calm down. What are all the ways that we support adrenal function as a part of supporting thyroid function. They're intricately interconnected. We need to enhance the parts of our immune system that may be deficient, whether that's our TH17, our modulator of our autoimmune response. We need to figure out what's happening in the immune system that helps us to do the calming, the clearing, the enhancing, and the modulating. And where is that specifically for each individual? If we're seeing somebody who's in a state of anxiety, of overdrive, type A personality like I am, where is it serving? Where is it not serving? And how do we bring that perspective to the entire immune function as opposed to, or I should say, in addition to, because it's a yes and, just looking for the target tier three infection. That infection exists in a terrain and that terrain is allowing it to proliferate and we have to shift the entire diet, lifestyle, habit, and mindset. Andrea, what's the most surprising source of inflammation that you see amongst your patients or with your coaches? I think that what we see with inflammation that's most surprising has to do with the overdrive of trying to get control back in life. So you talk about this. So this is more like a mental, emotional aspect. Yeah. And psychosocial aspect that then has people limiting their food, trying all different things, taking too many supplements 
supplements. I call it like the epigenetics of the online telesummit. Sometimes people are self-medicating in all sorts of ways. They're doing the diets that aren't necessarily appropriate for them. They're causing their immune system, their adrenal system to go into hyperdrive to try to address deficiencies that they may be inducing because they're trying so hard to get back some control. And I think that the partnership that we can have with a functional nutrition counselor, a functional medicine doctor, somebody though who is really looking at diet and lifestyle modification as you do, Magdalena, if we have that partnership, we can relax into the support that we receive. I'm glad that you brought this up because I know that's part of your training, what you provide to coaches today, which is such a huge thing. Yes, food is, of course, is important and being able to design really doable meal plans. So it still tastes really good. It's anti-inflammatory. But if you're working with someone who is so amped up and so anxious and so just driving herself crazy with perfection or lack of, and that could be a, a big part of the inflammation, then working through that is as important for a coach um, as the dietary part. Yeah, I, I think this is really important that we don't just keep looking for answers. It's not all in the protocol, it's in the person. And I call this functional empathy. We need to be able to see who it is that we're talking to and design the right processes and the right methodologies for them in that moment and walk with them through each stage. And oftentimes we're telling Hashimoto's patients to do too much, too fast, too soon, or we're supporting their overdrive to do everything perfectly when in essence, they actually need support to slow down take a deep breath, allow their entire immune system to come back into that calming state and recognize that it's a journey, that there's going to be flares. Our goal isn't to make the autoimmune attack go away forever because that's impossible. We've trained the immune system to be on attack. What we can do is make sure that those flares are fewer and farther between to the point where we catch them before they become a problem. Andrea, it's just been such an honor to guest host today's podcast with you. Thank you. And uh, for all our listeners, Roadmap to Resolution is the ebook which you can get from fxnutrition.com forward slash roadmap or just follow the link that's provided in the show notes. My name is Magdalena Shalaki, and my hormones have never been easy on me. After battling multiple autoimmune diseases, estrogen dominance, high heavy metal toxicity, digestive issues, and more, my life's mission is to help others find their own sacred and hormone balancing naturally through foods, through herbs, and supplements. I share what I've learned about that health journey, especially when it comes to hormones, on my website, hormones, with an S, hormonesbalance.com. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by Andre Nakayama and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The 15-Minute Matrix team includes music by Andrea's son, Gilbert Nakayama, and additional production assistance by Rene Hunt, Natalie Merrill, and Christine Shook. 
You can visit us and hear more episodes on www15, and that's the number 15minutematrix.com. And if you would like to be emailed a short reminder each time there is a new episode that comes out, please go to www15minutematrix.com slash notify and subscribe there. You have an open invitation to email the team about who you would like to hear on a podcast and what would you like to see mapped out on a 15-minute matrix. Address your email to ask at 15minutematrix.com.